I just want to say this podcast is starting in a very different mood than the last one ended. Yes. <laughs> multiple people asked me if I was okay, like in real life, about because of the last podcast. Just want to reassure everyone I was at all points fine in real life. Um, uh, but now also couldn't be happier, Ed, than to spend the next hour or so talking to you about the beautiful, magnificent sport of association football. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we were all a little worried about you. You were like, football's rubbish, life's rubbish, what's the point? Um, I don't know, I never said life's rubbish. Uh, uh, well, pretty much. Football is life, isn't it? You know. Uh, <laughs> and then... Um, lasso quote. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Football is life! <laughs> Uh, yes, um, you know, and then today we're going to get a bit more Patrice Evra from you, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the only thing, the only thing wrong with this game was that Jose Mourinho managed to prevent Ole Gunnar Solskjaer from patting him on the head at the end of the game with some alpha tactics. Yeah. But who cares? Um, everyone is going to get uh, an hour of backers content, basically, where... <laughs> Normally, we talk for a substantial amount of time about how uh, Jose Mourinho is sucking the colour out of life. But uh, uh, not today, although, um, you know, for 40 minutes or so, I was a bit concerned. Uh, but uh, just a fantastic performance from United in the second half. And and just overall, really, you know, very, very cautious for 20 or so minutes and, and almost like sort of let, encouraged Tottenham to have a go. Uh, yeah. And then just took over and just completely dominant. Um, some really fantastic performances. We'll go through the details, of course, but uh, just Henderson and goal, really commanding. I like him. I like him a lot. I think it's worth, even if he makes some mistakes, which he didn't today, worth persisting. Doesn't yeah. mean we've got a £350,000 a week problem on the bench, uh, but we'll come to that later. Pogba, just absolutely immense in midfield, just coming off the left side of midfield. I mean, it felt like United were a little bit lopsided tac- tactically, but just having him in that side um, somewhere where he can really influence the game, and he really was. Uh, Shaw, yeah. what has happened to Luke Shaw? He's become Roberto Carlos. He's absolutely everywhere. It's one time he plucked the ball out of the air with just a Berber soft touch. Um, I was like, where did that come from? Then he pinged that flat cross you know, to Fred, I think. Um, I might have been one bissaka Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, defending mostly really excellent. He was excellent. And then Cavani, you know, there's periods where he, he's not in the game, um, but uh, he's, he's you know, his movement was pretty good and the goal was just, yeah, just delicious. I mean, his kiss. movement's elite. His movement, is el- his movement is elite. It's absolutely elite. His movement for the goal that was disallowed was pure brilliance oh yeah his move his movement for the fred goal is pure brilliance um his movement for his own goal is pure brilliance yes i mean he he plays between the lines of the box which he you know when he was younger he was more dynamic you know there he's he's making the runs that are five ten yards um and are great in those situations he doesn't run the channels at all but he had players around him to do that you know and and, you know do have to and I, i think that's might have been part of the reason why Pogba's in the side. I mean, he wants to get Pogba in the side and he wants to get McFred in the side. Um, but also Pogba is going to run up that left channel and Marcus, you know, run everywhere, basically, uh, in order to, you know, make the runners around Cavani. Anyway, that's that's sort of my summary. I thought United were really awesome today and it's um, it's joyous to put one over Jose, especially after what happened earlier in the season. You know, it just felt so bad when our goal was disallowed and then they scored. Oh, really? Um, I, I was so sick. Yeah. Um, the twenty-five, the first 25 minutes of the game, we were awful. And it looked like we were set up to counter-attack with none of our fast players apart from a, a quarter-fit Marcus Rashford on the pitch, basically. So um, the, it just wasn't working. And the McFred double pivot was causing the problems that the McFred double pivot causes, which right. is... Um, in transition, the ball gets wasted all the time. Well, and Bruno, by the way, like the two of them and Bruno, at least you could say Bruno's wasting the ball trying stuff rather than just, you know, kicking it out of play instead of making a 10-yard pass. But um, it was immensely frustrating for those first 25 minutes. And really, um, the, um, the Pogba... 
uh, Cavani combination was the first moment of real quality in the game. I mean, McTominay did very well to to find Pogba. He, I mean, we don't really have to legislate this in any detail. I guess everyone probably feels about the same. Um, McTominay felt contact from Son. And then it really looks like he's flicked his arm in his face in the slow motion replay. But I think all that's happened is Son sort of half stumbles after he reaches to grab him. And so McTominay's got more space than he thinks he has. So when he reaches his arm out to feel where Son is, Son not being there causes a reflex action where his hand reaches out like like he, like when you're, you know, uh, trying to navigate the room in the middle of the night when you wake up, you know, and you just, something isn't quite where you think it is and your arm then just reaches out a little bit further. It felt to me that that's what happened. I don't know if that's a foul because I don't know the laws of the game. I, is it a clear and obvious error? Clearly not, right? I don't see right. how it is. But but sun and slow motion combine to really make it look like it was. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, w- one, it's it's a horrendous dive. There's no way that, you know, tickle on your face causes you to fall on the floor, hold your face, roll around and do it for the full three minutes of the VAR check. You know, it's just sickening because it's cheating. It's cheating absolutely everyone and he's a brilliant player. And why? You know, I mean, he got what he wanted. That's why. Um, And and I agree with the rest of your assessment. I think um, McTominay's just trying to hand off the player, which I think is fine. You know, it's just not supposed to go above the neckline. And and so, I mean, maybe it's a foul. The first foul, of course, is Son's because he's grabbed him around the shoulder. The ref gives the free kick to Tottenham. So he's got that all wrong. You know, I know, know that's a minor detail, but I think it just goes to the fact that he's got it all wrong. And and you're right. You know, in real time, that's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. And slow motion, it looks like he's stuck a hand in his face. So far as combined to uh, chalk off a brilliant goal. In the end, I mean, it was really sickening for a few minutes, especially when... Yeah, the one-two does Lindelof um, up like a bow on a present for your birthday on Monday. I mean, Lindelof's body position is horrible. Second week in a row, it's just uh, just horrible. Uh, but it's just it's a simple one-two, and then Son finishes, and that makes it it's pretty sickening. You know, given what had just happened previously. Yeah, Tuesday. Just just in case everyone sends me presents on. It's it's Monday. my son's birthday on Monday. Yours yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, the uh, I'm just watching as you were talking. I've got the telly on, and Mourinho's being interviewed, and I've got the subtitles on. And his response to the question of like, should that goal have been chalked off? Was initially, well, I think probably Paul Pogba should have been sent off for elbowing Aurier, which uh, he did. He did elbow. He caught him with his elbow. I don't think there was any intent on it. But then he kind of talked at length about like how he doesn't know what the rules are anymore, which is fair enough when he's talking about a goal that went, like a decision that went for his side rather than one that went against him. Um, You know, we saw in the Liverpool game yesterday, one of those pixel VAR uh, offside decisions. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. And, and you know, the, the, um, the Fred goal, even though Edinson Cavani is actually a long way onside, one of their players is pushing up. I mean, he's, he's a full man onside. Um, but I didn't jump up out my seat because it looked to me like the, at the crossover, I couldn't tell whether where it was. Yeah. And, you know, so you end up jumping out of your seat on the first replay. I know, it's goals. horrible. It's just, it's just awful. I mean... Um, yeah, this is a tangent, and uh, I did have someone comment on Twitter that uh, most of our show is tangents. <laughs> Some of it's narrative. Was that, was, was that a criticism? I no, I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a criticism. It's just you know, it's what we do. We we go from yeah. football to politics to world events, and then sometimes some football. But um, anyway, I've completely lost a. I lost the run of my. Uh, Running myself. Forgot your tangent. Uh, forgot you, my tangent. <laughs> you, so what happened was you went on a tangent and then it was like, right, now we need to do a tangent about tangents and now you're lost. Completely. So let's carry on with the show and it will come back okay, to me good. at some point. <laughs> um, the uh, the performance in the first half was immensely frustrating. I Lindelof, like I play a lot of um, a game called Rocket League, which uh, I'm sure plenty of people listening will be familiar with. And sometimes you just go for the ball and the ball isn't there and it looks so bad. And Lindelof had a real proper like Rocket League swing at that and just totally missed the ball. And it looks absolutely awful um, on the slow motion replay. It looked kind of bad in real time. 
I, I am, I'm always wary of like jumping in and absolutely hammering our central defenders because I'm so ready to do it at the drop of a hat that I right. feel like, yeah, like, so I'm, I'm like, should I maybe just give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt? Because no. it looked horrible to me. And, and... I, I think it's all about, I mean, look, if you just take it um, as, well, it's a really smart one too. And, you know, what can you do about that? Um, you could give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think it's all about his positioning. It's all about it. He's just not balanced right. And mm. uh, and uh, I th- I'm sure a, a better defender is in the way of that one. You know, Rio Ferdinand, got his left foot on it, driven into midfield and set United up on an attack. <laughs> I mean, it's... Yeah. Right? So um, it's a problem area, but, um, you know, so is us talking about it for this podcast. It's really <laughs> boring. Uh, so maybe we shouldn't do that. But But look... You know, to get over the disappointment of that goal being chalked off, you know, rightly or wrongly, and then conceding shortly afterwards to come back so strongly, you've got to say, you know, Mourinho said, same coach, different players. Well, United, different coach, same players, getting a much, much stronger response. Um, And and for all the Mourinho stands out there, I don't know how many there are. There aren't many Spurs fans who Mourinho stands, judging by Twitter. There's a couple in the United ranks. I mean, you know, for all Ollie's faults, he has got this team deeply mentally strong in certain situations. 28 points from losing positions. It's miles better than anyone. And you could say, well, United shouldn't go behind. And there's some defensive issues behind that. And And United do start some games quite cautiously. Yeah. But 26 games on the road unbeaten in the Premier League, 28 points from losing positions. You've got to say there's something about the you know, mental strength of this team to not wilt, as they have done in previous years, that Ollie's yeah. got right. No, that, that you know, we were saying before we started recording, they are such a strange team. Because, you know, that first 25 minutes was really poor and they looked overawed yeah. by the situation and tired and tactically you know like I said about the counter-attacks that wasn't working but also um Pogba was dragged right in field leaving Shaw exposed to a uh, an overlap um Neville was critical of Shaw coming out to I think Aurier to try and block the passing lane and thought he should have gone with um Mora and he might be right but it looked to me like no one was sure it was sure on his own against two players so he's got a comp a difficult decision to make there and no one was covering the the shape and Mora put in a real good cross and actually Lindelof uh, cleared the ball with a really good header in, in that particular moment but it was just an example of, of neither going forward nor defensively did it look particularly good for us um, and we did come alive before they scored for once because true, you sure, know true. we yeah. we scored first, yeah. Um, and and I think that the 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 point you're making is extremely well founded. And and really in this case, it's double. It's a double whammy, isn't it? Because United feel they've got a perfectly good goal disallowed, um, and uh, that they now are playing well and that have are on top of the game, and and they get hit by the sucker punch going in one nil at halftime. And it was just a different team that came out in the second half and. Um, I thought particularly once, although Rashford was involved in the in the first goal and did well in the little interplay around the outside of the box, um, I thought actually we looked at our absolute best in that game um, once uh, it was uh, Greenwood uh, right. on the on on the pitch uh, rather than Rashford. Rashford did some really good things in this game, but he's he's he was hobbling before he came off. He's yeah. so yeah. obviously not fit. I mean, he should be absolutely nowhere near the squad on Thursday. Nowhere near. I mean, you know, you're 2-0 up against an average team. It's going to be okay. I know there's some suspensions, um, but it's just, it'd be absolutely criminal if him and Bruno, by the way, who's beginning to look quite burnt out because his performances since Christmas are, you know, they're quite a bit below what they were before that. Yeah. Um, you know, just just think of, think of the, what is it, potentially 12 games left this season. Manage that. Don't play him on Thursday. You know, whatever the... Whatever the decisions you have to make there, because he's he's just he's he's suffering. He's suffering. He's got this long term shoulder thing and this long term ankle thing. I bet you they'll both start. I bet you they'll both start that game. I'll be I'll be maybe maybe they'll get forty five minutes each. He'll do that. But you know, last Thursday was kind of we haven't talked about that at all. But last Thursday was a pretty good example of why he over relies on them so much because Rashford who really couldn't walk in that game scored an absolutely amazing goal with an 
I mean, just an exquisite first touch and, and then the right-footed finish. And Bruno put away the penalty, kind of, well, uh, yeah, earned the penalty and then put it away. So, yeah. like, Oh, no, look, know. look, they are, they are both clutch players, aren't they? You know, yeah, 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 Ra- yeah. Rashford's got more than 20 goals this season, second season in a row. I mean, I, I think the consensus would be he's not had as good a season this season as he has last time. And I thought I think a lot of that's down to fitness. You know, he's, he's sure. clearly not... I think not all of it quite- is. Yeah, not quite as sharp as he could so do with time off in the summer. And of course, it's the Euro, so he probably he probably won't. I mean, he could do with having a, you know, minor hamstring tweak about a week before that, couldn't he? And, and you know, I'm sure he desperately wants to play. Of course he does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of course he does. But um, for the good of him, United in his career, he could... Because otherwise, he's not going to get time off until next summer. And he's got the World Cup. And so it's going to be an you know, massively compressed season next season as well because they're sticking four weeks of the World Cup and uh, two weeks either side of it into the season with almost no change in the parameters of the season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, another tangent back, there. Tangents to, on tangents. To get back to the game, um, the, uh, I mean, once again, Spurs went ahead and then just absolutely lost the run of themselves. Uh, let's talk about United's goals one at a time. So the uh, the Fred goal, Fred the Fred goal, a weird, a really weird sentence. I'm sure um, a very solid majority of the United supporting contingent that were watching that game would much rather Fred had not been on the pitch by the time he had the opportunity to score a goal. But he does brilliantly in this goal. So. Um, he finds Rashford, who gets the ball back to him. Fred with a lovely, I mean, a lovely through ball to Cavani, yeah. with, whose movement is absolutely exquisite. But just the, the angle on it, the way he's got to open up his uh, left foot, I think he might have played it on um, uh, to Cavani. It's perfect. And then, um, and he does well to follow the run in. Um, That's once Cavani surprising. What, what got into him? It's not yeah, Fred, exactly. is it? Following up a shot. Um, no. He did. He did very well to uh, almost miss that one, didn't he? <laughs> Shanked it into the top of the net. Um, it would be very Fred-like to whack that against the bar or something like that. Uh, but no, no. Look, you're right. Um, it's just he does some really good stuff, and then he just gives a five-yard pass away for absolutely no reason. He's yeah. he's a really frustrating player because there's something good in there, but the whole package is is not great. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm sure it's been said before, but if you could combine him and McTominay, you'd still have a player who'd give the ball away all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> but it it would be a good package. Um, you know, I, I think it's actually it's it's the problem with both of them really. Um, McTominay, you want to see him pass the ball progressively more. Fred, you want to see him pass the ball progressively less because he always <laughs> gives it away when he tries to pass it forward. Uh, that goal was um, just exquisitely well worked. It was extremely exciting. And United felt so on top at that game that I did start to properly dare to dream. And the thing that I was really pleased to see was that Solskjaer gave, I mean, this is, I'm sure, to do with managing Rashford rather than being proactive about changing the game. Because if Rashford was fit, this would not have happened. But Mason Greenwood having 20 or 26 uh, with the terrifying amount of injury time that was added on to the end of that game. But Rashford, um, Greenwood having 26 minutes made so much difference compared to him having 10 or even 15 minutes in that game. So he made, I mean, he just made such a huge impact. Um, The second goal has got to be... I mean, that is easily, easily right near the top of my favourite United goals this season. Whether it's actually goal of the season or not, I don't know. But the ball from Greenwood to Cavani is so lush. And that header, making that header unsavable um, from Cavani, that was elite centre-forward oh, play. Best diving header since Keith Houchin in the 1987 <laughs> FA Cup final against Spurs. By the way, I love a diving header. It's just aesthetically so pleasing. But, you know, everything, the the Meg from Bruno around the corner, uh, the pass from Mason on his left foot, the, the the movement and control on the header while flinging himself. I mean, 33 years old, earns an absolute kit. He'll never have to work again, Cavani, and he still desperately wants it. I mean, he was fist pumping at the end of that game. Yeah, you know, he, he he loves it. I mean, it looks like he's not going to stay, and his impact has been mixed, of course, this season. It's a, it seems fifty fifty. I don't know. It's talk in the papers, but yeah, we'll see. 
Um, because it's not a one-way uh, contract extension, it's a two-way, uh, which is yeah, unusual we, for United, but I guess part of the agreement. Talked about, talked about that in depth last week. Yeah. Um, um, and- anyway, anyway, just just magnificent and, you know, um, loved it. And just such a shame that, you know, leapt out of my seat, you know, punched the air and then sat down and thought, oh, fuck. You know? <laughs> Let's check VAR for the next 16 hours before yeah. they decide... Which, but it was, know, which side of three foot line he was on. But it was completely fine. Like, it's nice when you see that for, it's a weird 2021 20, season thing where it's like the first replay is sometimes so exciting. I, I've remembered my tangent from earlier. I wanted to talk about um, automated VAR for offsides, which they are doing with camera tracking. I mean, much, much closer to um, the sort of Hawkeye level instant um instant stuff that happens in other sports so um you know Arsene Wenger head of FIFA's technical committee is looking at this now that they're, they're talking about bringing it in for the 22 World Cup um and they're testing it in some leagues at the moment so you know that would stop that thing because it'd be instant like goal line technology we wouldn't have to not celebrate it's going to be offside not offside in a microsecond yeah, if they do that, I would really like them to change the law as if well to build in. If if they do that and it works, I would like them to change the law to build in some um, some more margin for error on the uh, to favour the attacker. And I know that you, well, you still Wenger have the- wants Wenger wants daylight, which has never been um, never been a, a, a offside rule ever. Although people seem to think it has been, but uh, right. I mean, that would give a massive advantage to attackers, especially quick ones. Massive advantage. I mean that would change the game, right? You'd um, you'd change the game fairly considerably if that would like tactics and stuff. Yeah, really, it might not, become relevant again. If I, that, I'm not if that actually are. sure it'd be good. I mean, the, you know, the the it, the instinct would be that oh, this is a great advantage to attackers, therefore we're going to get more goals. Um, I I think a lot of teams will react to that by dropping another ten yards deeper. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying. Mourinho yeah. would become relevant again, right? That's, yeah, exactly. You'd you'd because because he sure isn't right now. <laughs> yeah, love um, to see it, don't you? Uh, yeah, you do. Um, then uh, there was the most terrifying moment of what? All of our lives? I want to say all of our lives, because um, I assume everyone else is the same level of emotionally invested in this specific result uh, as I was. Um, the ball is pinging about everywhere. Uh, it gets flung in. But Edinson Cavani's beautiful head which has just done such magnificent work in uh, their box, does some phenomenal work in ours and flicks the ball onto uh, the, the the point where the crossbar and the, the post meet. I mean, I know it wasn't actually there, but it yeah. might as well have been. I mean, this was inches away from utter disaster, but saved by the wondrous man that is Edinson Cavani. Yeah, I mean, in, at some point in all of that, I mean, it was, it was actually really the only time that United would desperately panicked defensively yeah. in those yeah. kind of situations. So I think for the most part, Hendo controlled that really well. I mean, he's so vocal and he's so willing to come for those balls. And, you know, he dropped one last week, got away with it. Um, but he was completely clean on everything in the air today. Um, and he just manages those situations in a way that is, is so much better than David De Gea. I mean, we'll see with Henderson how elite he can be. I don't know. He made one save with his foot from Son, which was really Two. good. Two. Um, yeah, I was one just thinking the one that was from Kane. Yeah, what there was the one from Son was the very David De Gea like one with his foot. But the Kane one was too at the near post. Right, um, yeah. he covered the near post really, and it was just. And in fact, it was like it was kind of De Gea a couple of years ago because he covered the near post brilliantly and didn't have to put his foot out yeah. too far. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say let's have let's have the the Henderson conversation. So last week you said. Um, Surely Solskjaer isn't going to make De Gea play in the Europa League. That would be a real kind of statement, but that's exactly what he did. And we wondered whether that would mean that would be a warm-up game for him getting back in the side uh, for the Premier League. But it's pretty clear right now that at MUFC, the number one goalkeeper is Dean Henderson and the number two is David De Gea. Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, even if Henderson makes a mistake, the next time he plays, I mean, presuming De Gea plays on Thursday, so whoever we have next weekend, if I've completely forgotten, yeah, um, I haven't even looked it up actually because this was this was this is my season. This game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy birthday, Paul! 
Jose is giving you the best present of all. Anyway, H- Henderson, like, whatever happens, if he makes a mistake, it's important that Solskjaer doesn't drop him. He's got to give him, he's, you know, he's had a good run of games. Just give him this season, you know, and then we'll sort everything out in the summer. Um, uh, but chopping and changing now wouldn't do him any good at all. And it would be back to the kind of Tim Howard, Roy Carroll situation. I think I think we've got two upgrades on that right now. It's not a bad situation for United to be in because, you know, we have basically got two goalkeepers um, of very high quality. You know, one, we don't know who's, how, how high his ceiling is. And the other, well, you know, his ceiling was as good as it ever got. Um, but it's some way below that right now. So, you know, we'll... It will be an interesting decision for the director of football negotiations to see exactly how much they have to pay Inter to take the hair off our hands this summer. So um, I think it's really unlikely that this gets chopped and changed. I feel like uh, the one thing we can say about Solskjaer is he's been pretty ruthless. And this is an act of fairly extreme ruthlessness because of the money side of it. All this, there, there was a lot of paper talk this week that De Gea is is leaving United this summer. Um, like you say, that that's gonna that is gonna cost someone something, probably us. Oh, um, oh for sure, it's no fee and pay part of his wages. You know, that's the only deal. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. But for now, I, the one thing that I just love about Henderson is how quickly he throws the ball out. We've really missed that. And it's such, I mean, you know, we're we're old Man United fans, so guess what? We like having a goalkeeper that throws the ball out quickly to start counterattacks. Um, someone, like a fairly young Man United fan that I know said to me, oh yeah, Van der Sar used to do that. And I like, had to stifle laughter. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, he did. He's not exactly the prototype of it. But um, but yeah, the, so there was just a little one today and it was so quick, so quick thinking um and yeah it was uh it was it was great um it 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 was okay so like where have we got we've gone through two of united's goals and then yeah. and then we come to the third the the cherry on the icing on the cake for paul's on birthday the, on, on the birthday cake <laughs> <Yep>. yeah <laughs> that's right with the sparkler in top and absolutely I mean, this is just pure Mason, wasn't it? This is I mean, yeah. Right. You've got to be terrified as a central defender because what where are you going to go? He can hit it, hit it early with power on either foot. He goes on the right, which apparently is his weaker foot. You wouldn't believe it because he's absolutely nailed that into the bottom corner. So somebody said on Twitter, I think um, uh, I can't remember the name of the person. I'm sorry about that, but it's just. It's extremely unusual that a 19-year-old is doubled up on or tripled up on every time they get the ball in the box. It just doesn't happen. But the reason Mason Greenwood scored so few goals in the Premier League this season is because every time he gets the ball in the box, he's doubled up and tripled up on. And as soon as United got him the ball in space, he provided an absolutely pin-perfect assist for Edinson Cavani. And the next time they got him the ball in space, in the box, he scored a goal that was so good that Lloris was beaten at his near post and you wouldn't have an ounce of criticism for Lloris because it literally got past him quicker than you could have hoped to react to it at your near post. That kid is absolutely incredible. Oh, I know, he really is. I mean, it's be interesting. I mean, he's talked a little bit about it. He thinks his his game has developed. He's obviously not got anywhere near as many goals this season um, as he did last season, and he had a quiet start to the season. I think he's he's coming stronger in the second half of the season. Obviously, goals you know uh, kind of highlight that, and he's got a couple recently. And I think it's important for him to get into those positions and to not just stay wide and to drive inside and and um, and. Uh, provide those goals for United. But, you know, the wider point I wanted to make is if Cavani is going, what happens with Mason? Are they going to put money into a striker? They're sure as hell not going to spend 120 million euros on um, on Haaland plus all the agents fees. It's, I just can't, I just cannot see that happening. Um, so do they give Mason a shot at challenging Martial for the number nine position next season and spend money on someone to play on the right wing. I mean, that would, might make a lot of sense. You know, where is Mason's future? I'm sure he'd like to play down the middle. In this kind of formation, it probably probably doesn't matter. But, 
But, you know, could he be United's number nine? He, with all the development that's happened in his game this season, he might well be a, a far more rounded number nine next season than he has been in the past. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it does feel like United really benefit when their number nine plays very number nine-y. And uh, in the way that Cavani does, like, you know, he's had a mixed season, Cavani, but when he's on it and playing that very kind of strikery role, United's other kind of forward players seem to really benefit from that. And actually Martial too, uh, as difficult a season he's, he's had, the few games where he's played well, not necessarily in front of goal, but the link-up stuff and the little interplay stuff, it's been a big factor. And you wonder about Greenwood's physicality, for example. He's not the biggest, sure. is he? Um, and you, you wonder whether like the dream would be for Greenwood, at, at like four four two with... Kane or Haaland like that'd be then you really want him playing in the kind of role that Van Persie got to play in with Omri for periods of his career and you know sure yeah and and you know I think Mason is excellent just dropping five yards deeper um I mean you're totally right it's probably his best position because he's just so intelligent on the ball um you mentioned Kane I did want to have another tangent um, and talk well, about this him a lot. This isn't a tangent. It's Man United against Spurs, and he yeah, said yeah. he's going to leave Spurs this summer. I feel like this is reasonable. And and of course, there's going to be a lot of talk about United making a bid, and they've been interested before. And you can understand he's got a lot of assists and a lot of goals this season. But he's not the player he once was. I mean, part of the reason why he's coming deeper is not some tactical genius from Jose. It's because his legs aren't there anymore. They're not just not what they were. That zip is gone. And for United to spend, you know, 100 million, whatever it was, or anyone to spend 100 million on Kane, knowing that his best years are behind him, I'm sure, and at 28, his, his physical conditioning is going to be dropping from here. I think that's a real problem. And I, and I do think that there's something in Kane as well, not just the coaching. He knows that he's not sharp. He doesn't play off the shoulder. He comes towards the ball and lets others run for him. And I, I think United you know, got other players that can do that, you know? That's the thing. Uh, so, uh, Haaland's different. Haaland's hundred percent. I mean, he's a massive. He's a massive unit, of course. But he's fox in the box. Most of his goals are scored about two feet away from goal. You know, I'm exaggerating. And he's a brilliant finisher. But he is the kind of player that Oli didn't want in the team because he wants more flexible forwards. I mean, he's he's Romelu Lukaku, but maybe a little bit better. You know. Yeah. No, the thing about Kane is I don't think that the lesson from this season is that Kane is finished in the way that it looked like, you know, his numbers were really deteriorating. His numbers have been really good this season in terms of goals and assists. And what yeah. seems to have happened is he's actually extremely successfully reinvented himself in exactly the way, essentially, that Alan Shearer did at the back end of his career, where, you know, Shearer really did start to drop deep and link up play more and skill scored tons and tons of goals because he was Alan Shearer. And, um... The, the the thing about not signing Kane is uh, isn't so much that he's bad; it's that he's not what we need. Because sure, I, I, and that's kind of the point I was trying to make. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think exactly yeah, United have got other players of that ilk. If that's what Kane has become, so anyway, I, I, yeah. I think it's all moot because the finances aren't there at United to do the kind of mega mega deal. So. Um, you know, if if I'm predicting what will happen, I think Kane will sign a new contract at Spurs because that's his most sensible move. Because I don't think mm. there's going to be a big market for him or anyone, honestly. Um, and and then we'll see what happens to United forwards. You know, they should really push Cavani to sign again. I know it's been mixed from him, but um, to lose that that kind of presence and that option would mean we'd have to fill it with something, and it wouldn't have to be the same. It could be moving Mason into that that forward and buying someone on the right side, maybe. Dortmund would be more willing to sell Sancho because he's had that kind of mixed season with some injuries and stuff. So who knows? The the thing about Cavani is like it's been mixed, but um, and I know it's kind of you could it could just be performative because you you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. But to kind of to quote the great cricketer, it looks good. Like they you know they say in cricket like about the right kind of runs. Cavani's he hasn't scored that many goals, but in the right kind of goals that like you know they're. There's something about his vibe. The players seem to really love him. He does a lot of vamos when, yes. you know, when we score. Like it, There was that one, was it a Bruno goal, where he just celebrated by jumping in the air and clenching both of his fists. Like, he seems really in it. And that energy has to be good for this team that, 
you know, maybe it's no coincidence. That's one of the reasons we keep going behind. And and I know he hasn't been involved in all of those, but there's been a few memorable moments where Cavani's been heavily involved in some of those con- um, comebacks. For sure. I mean, he. I mean, talk about energy. He's got massive big dick energy. Massive. Big. <laughs> I'm not saying his dick's massive. I'm just saying he's got massive big dick energy. Sure, they're not the same. It's been he's, well established. Yeah, he's got he's got presence, and it does count for something. And you know, United are, are spending a, a phenomenal amount of money on this guy, and, and probably the numbers don't justify it. But there's, you know, if 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 you, if they have room in the wage budget, um, it makes a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense pretty good sense <laughs> and it'd make a lot of sense now to keep him but you know we'll, we'll see um still and that that i'm gonna remember that header for a long time because that was a sweet sweet moment um love a diving header i mean it was just fun it was just fantastic and and let's now come to the main event which is that jose Mourinho is washed and finished and can't even hold a spluttering Man United at bait. Now, actually, I actually don't think, sadly, that all the well-worn, uh, very delightful tropes that have dominated this season's Patreon content about uh, Mourinho's side taking the lead and then capitulating, even though that is literally what happened, happily, um, I don't really think this applies because I don't think it was a problem with the way Tottenham set up or their intent or anything like that. I actually just think United really turned it on. Um, and yeah. Shaw, particularly Shaw, Pogba, Greenwood, those couple of moments from Fred and Rashford, Rashford um, and Cavani. And that that combination set that game alight, basically. Look, United were were excellent, really excellent in that second half. Obviously, the three goals kind of you know gives it the recency bias, but I just think they took they really took the game by the scruff of its neck and yeah, and, totally. and yeah, you know, dominated that game. And you know, this Miss Mourinho Spurs side has all the it has all the hallmarks of Mourinho. We've talked about it on the backers content a lot. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash nqat. Uh, if you want to go through the uh, extensive library of uh, Mourinho hate cast there, it's <laughs> 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 <is> a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, but but you know, there's a lot of hallmarks about how he wants to set. He sets up with a double pivot. Um, he has quite a conservative back. You know, even with Serge Aurier and Regulon in there, who are two fullbacks who really want to get forward, they don't. At the you know at the same time. Kane dropping deep and, and runners from midfield. I mean, it feels like a Mourinho side, but this was not one where they got the goal and they tried to sit back. They were already being dominated by the time they got the goal, as you say. And, and United just responded phenomenally. And, and you know, all praise to this team, which is very schizophrenic. It's still hard to know what performance we're going to get, even though there's 26 games away from home that United haven't been beaten this season. You know, there's schizophrenia within the game uh, today. Uh, and, and from performance to performance. But it, this was really excellent. It should give everyone an awful lot of confidence for the games to come. Granada's a, you know, that's done on Thursday. It would be a major surprise and disaster for United not to, to get through there. And then, then what, seven league games to go? We're looking at 80 points. Maybe they can even be 81, which Mourinho got in his one good season for United, which, you know, um, friend of the pod, Duncan Castles... <laughs> reminds everyone on his podcast 15 times a show and on What's... Twitter. He's got this hate thread about Solskjaer going at the moment, which yeah, is amusing because it's completely out of context. Anyway, it, I it, like um, it. It'd be sweet. That wasn't even his good season, by the way. His good season was the one before where we won the Europa League and the League Cup. Like the season we had 81 points, just won a few games 4-0 at the beginning of the season, then we're rubbish. But before we move on from the game altogether, you know it's been a good game when we're like nearly 40 minutes uh, into the show before the letters XG get mentioned. But I think it is worth a little a little chat. So um, 2.1 to United to a paltry 0.9 to Spurs. Uh, almost all of Spurs is coming from uh, pot shots around the box, um, apart from like a their goal was a point for a chance but let's play guess the xg i'd like to quiz you what do you think that um xg would suggest fred's chance was um probably high 60s because it's so near to goal 
I, you know, I would have guessed higher, but it is indeed, that's pretty good, 0. 0.64. Um, you're, you're good at guessing it. She, um, uh, the one massive United chance, and this is why actually this, this number is completely ridiculous, because there's a 0. 0.76 chance, which was the Pogba one, which right. we had a little discussion about. I had a big chat about it with people on Twitter, um, luminaries of the game weighing in on that one. Michael, Michael Cox tweeted me. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, the... Um, it was a phenomenal ball, I think, from Shaw to Bruno. Um, and Bruno kind of scuffed his pass into Pogba, who attempted a back heel behind his back. And I think he only attempted that because the pass was behind him. Uh, Neville saying he should have gone for a simpler one. I think you were you were in the Brexit camp on that one, Ed. Um, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't, think I'm, I don't think there's a dark side and a light side to this debate. Oh, okay, I, cool. I mean... My my thought was that um, Pogba reacted a little late, and if he'd been a bit quicker, he'd have been he'd have swivelled and hit it on the volley probably. Um, and he's not expecting it, and maybe it's because of the bad pass, um, or at least the pass that's not in front of him hits sort of yeah. square to him. Uh, and yeah, he's um, he's probably gone to be a bit clever. I mean, we could be generous and say he had no other options, but I, I don't know about that. Anyway, that that one will go down as a really high XG. I think you mentioned what it was. Yeah, yeah 0.76. Um, 0.76, because it was so close. But the post-shot XG will be significantly lower than that. Yeah, although it required um, Dyer to clear it, because um, it was actually, it was goal-bound. Um, but yeah, Dyer, Dyer did reasonably well. But anyway, it didn't matter, which was the key thing, because uh, Mourinho uh, drools and Oli Solskjaer rules. I mean, <laughs> something like that. Um, You're going with the Mourinho's going senile uh, spin on this, are you? No, 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 not at all. No. Um, you describing mixed form of schizophrenia is probably troubling enough for one day's worth of mental health uh, challenge <laughs> conversation. Um, oh, as, I, as, as I mentioned on uh, on our WhatsApp and, and on Twitter, you know, f*** Mourinho and f*** his impact on society, or brackets, football. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure there is a Mourinho civilization. Who'd have him? <laughs> well, lots of people. He has got. That's the whole problem. My whole problem with Mourinho is the Mourinho civilization. I don't even particularly personally dislike him. That's the tremendous irony of all of this. As a friend of mine once said, I think I might mention this on the show before. I've only ever spoken to him once, and he was very nice to me. So this is terrible. I I uh, I find him as troubling as I do. But anyway, um. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all here for it. I'm, I'm you know, because you know, you're, you're overly nice in real life. You need to hate someone. It's good for you. you. Look, it's you haven't got balance. You need to hate someone with a passion. You hate Mourinho. I think it's good for you. Uh, well, I, I respectfully disagree on on both those counts. Um, but yes, uh, there, there are people in the world that I uh, intensely dislike. Um, they tend to be uh, involved in public policy in one way or another. Um, which uh, even even Mourinho's worst crimes uh, can't touch the sides of wow. the actually yet yet. I yeah, mean, no, it's, it's only a matter yeah. of time before he gets elected. I don't know um, where he goes after this because you know Spurs have some big decisions to make because they're not progressing as a club with him yeah. in charge. And there's been a lot of talk about they they can't afford to sack him. Maybe not. Maybe they can. This week, but, well, was... I, I don't know where he goes. Because what top team would you've got so much evidence now of the absolute cancer that he he is on a club when things aren't going absolutely perfect for him, and it, it's just like who would have him? Even Portugal, who like as a you know national team, I mean we'll see what happens in the summer and whether they make a change there. But yeah, would they? Maybe maybe a yeah. tournament football would suit Mourinho. Absolutely. And they've had Fernando Santos, Santos for the best moments of their lives as True. a, he's a, a mini football Mourinho, team. So. Yeah, he's worse like the, in terms of uh, attacking intent, you know. Um, so it's not like there's a kind of national craving to play really exciting football. Um, right. Or, or Mourinho but, goes off and coaches in Qatar or something like that, you know. But I, I think the key, there's two things. So one you mentioned about Spurs not being able to afford to sack him and lots of talk this week about the old uh, Champions League break clause. Um, and we are, you know, we're not anywhere near really them not being able to mathematically qualify for the Champions League. But we did a, a lot of chat about uh, Champions League likelihood and qualification and basically completely wrote off West Ham, who beat Leicester today in a massive uh, kind of swing in terms of uh, that 
race. Um, right. But to- Tottenham are currently seventh. So not only are they um, uh, blah, 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 five points off, uh, that isn't even really the problem. That the points. Oh, it's not five either. It's six. So there's there's six points off fourth. But the problem is that there's two teams between them and fourth. Both of whom are likely to pick up a lot of points between now and the end of the season because that's Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, and and West Ham. I mean, you need two of those teams to drop seven points. Um, in seven games and and yeah it just the odds don't look good I mean it, 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 I don't know what the 538 model says but it's going to be low single digits for for Tottenham making the Champions League I think because of all that so yeah we'll, we'll see if there is a break clause um, and and maybe that'll be done for for Mourinho and we can get him out of our football for good and with Wilder gone and Allardyce probably gone as well <laughs> but that's actually exactly what I was just going to say, which is, you know, you say, where will he go next? Because there's so much evidence. I mean, Daniel Levy had all the evidence he needed and he appointed Mourinho anyway, because there'll always be someone that's looking for that stardust. Now, maybe you could say that number uh, shrinks and shrinks um, as as it as his career progresses. But um, snake oil salesmen have been selling snake oil for a really long time and and he's a charming man and he knows how to turn it on for a brief period of time at the beginning of his career at a club and you could easily imagine some chairman being um, you know swung by like it was a terrible decision for Ed Woodward to give him the job remember Ken Earley's of the Second Captains podcast saying to Gary Neville on stage Mourinho's the sort of person you would think is a good idea at United if you don't know anything about football um, you know. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. Um, Ken Early, who's succinct in 10,000 words or six of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, excellent broadcaster and journalist. Um, uh, look, uh, you're, you're right, there will be someone, I guess. But if you're, if you're, you know, one of the top Europe's leading clubs, you know, one of the ECA breakaway lot. <laughs> who? Yeah. It, I mean, it's not going to be silly. Inter. I mean, would Inter go back in for him? I mean, they probably yeah. would. Conte may well go. Conte looks like he's going to win Serie A. They're in, you know, excellent position, Inter. But uh, Conte could start a fight in an empty room. He he would set his own house on fire while he was in the empty room just because. I mean, he's he's more conflict-oriented than Mourinho. So maybe yeah. they'll go to Mourinho as a, you know, a bit of, you know, respite. But And, and not... Not even immediately, like not like at the end of this season either. But if I had to guess where Jose Mourinho's next club would be, that's the that's the club I'd be guessing. Um, we had a lot of, a lot of chat this week about how the uh, the Patreon content was going to come to the main show, uh, and indeed that is what's happened. So it does feel only appropriate to talk about the five thirty eight numbers because we have reached a seminal moment in the season. Um, you are absolutely right. Six percent they're giving Tottenham. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, this is a probabilistic model of uh, where teams will finish. We've hit the big time, Ed. Greater than 99% chance of Manchester United making the Champions League this season. No, no, you're 97%. We're, we're, all, we're going all the way, lads. We're on a European tour. Oh, yeah. And with fans back soon. I mean, yep. fans may well be in Old Trafford before the end of the season. It might only be one game. Um, but yeah, United back in the Champions League next season and with fans and, you know, it's going, progressing. I, Oli has his fault. We talk about it all the time here. Yep. In-game management being one of the biggest ones. Apparent lack of any kind of tactical now has been quite, you know, important too. But as someone who understands footballers and can, you know, create an environment for what they need... He's done that and he's, you know, this squad is together and they are moving forward and they're mentally strong and, you know, friend of the show and Andrew Yaxley, who's um, uh, my near neighbour these days um, in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, asked to send me a text, uh, you know, why, how and why are so, you know, it's so good from uh, coming from behind. And I think a lot of it is about Solskjaer's ability to build belief into this team, Yeah, you know. Absolutely. And and it's a it's a huge part of being a football manager. Now, we have a big problem, but the sport has a big problem with uh, other teams competing with the um, nation state backed wealth 
of the elite. And the fact that City have used that nation-state-backed wealth to put in a really sane structure and an insane but brilliant manager and, you know, all of these kinds of things. This is a big problem. But City will have bad seasons. Um, They almost had one this season and then they kind of have sort of slogged their way to coming good, although they they did lose this weekend, of course. Um, This summer... The recruitment job doesn't have to be the scale of the one last summer. If, I mean, I think they they need to prioritise the three positions, right? I think this is, I mean, this is, I can't believe we're having transfer chat, but, you know, this is in terms of Ole in the future. Centre-back, central defensive midfielder, right forward, forward who can play on the right-hand side. It can't be impossible to get two out of the three of those this summer. Oh, no, and they if, should do it. And they should have targets for all of them. And John Murtagh, it will be on the hook, along with Matt Judge, head of football negotiations, to to make it happen. And Murtagh for, and his team for identifying uh, with Ollie and, and Matt Judge uh, to do the negotiations. But the big one is for the sign-off to come from Tampa and, and to say, yes, we're going to spend the money. Now, you, you know, the, the Glazer family and the kids and the six of them who are on the board and who own shares, you know, could have said, well, UEFA have given a pass. I mean, they've basically literally given up on F- FFP, but, you know, they've basically said all your losses can be written off with equity. United could have released equity to the market and put the money into the club to say, we're going to take advantage of this situation. We're going to prey on clubs in poor financial situations like, I don't know, say Borussia Dortmund, who've got some horrible financial results at the moment, and, and go and get our players that we want for something of a discount. And we're going to really bolster this squad and push forward aggressively, you know, because that's going to be good for our brand. It's going to be good for the club. It's going to win trophies. We're going to build um, the value of this club. And that's eventually going to come back to us. They could have made that decision instead they release equity to take personal money, right? Or at least Avram has. Um, and the others have done it before. Um, and so that is a decision they made to not push the club forward and then to say, well, we've got these huge losses. We can't afford to 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 make big purchases, which is basically what they said last summer, you know, um, not much spent um, and looking, you know, looking at the fringes of the market rather than right at the top of the market. And and just don't forget that when the spin comes this summer, they can do this. There's a lot of equity there to be released in this club, which they can give to the club to push it forward under the rules. They're choosing not to. And I, I think it will be a, you know, a moderate summer. Now, to come back to your point, uh, central defence, yes, left-sided um, for passing out. You, you saw actually in the early parts of this game how Tottenham briefly tried to press mistakes out of United's back four because we've seen it all season. You know, we've seen it all season. As much as the pretense is there that they can pass the ball, they really can't, not at the elite level. Central defensive midfield, absolutely critical because we're playing a double pivot there and making compromises further forward in order because we don't have a proper defensive midfielder. Nemanja Matic is done. Fred and McTominay have, you know, I think McTominay is going to have to turn himself into an eight to be relevant. And Fred, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and then right-sided forward, yes, because Daniel James hasn't progressed. Mason, we'd like to see you know, him play more centrally or at least not have to play every week. Um, and it would bolster United's attacking options a lot. You know, yeah. the, the other problem, the wrinkle in all of this, is how much they have to pay De Gea to go. You know, and do they need a backup keeper? Um, and Because they can't keep him on the bench all next season. Uh, and what happens with Pogba? One year left on his contract. Are they going to try and eke out some money this summer? Are they just going to hold him and and you know lose all the value when he leaves on a free in 2022? If Pogba goes, it all bets are off. It's a completely different conversation. Um, I, I hope they just. I hope they move heaven and earth to keep him. I, I hope they write off getting any money out of him to keep him for a, another year because there's no way he's downing tools for a year. I wouldn't have thought, especially. I mean, not that this really matters, but especially in a, I was going to say a World Cup season, but a season with a World Cup in the middle of it. So he definitely won't down tools until November. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, anyway. no, it's, it's injuries. I mean, I never believe he's down tools anyway. I mean, I, I think, um, no. I, you know, he, he wants something out of the club, which only now you can see the kind of inklings that might happen. Um, he expects to be playing with elite players at the 
you know, very elite of the game not playing in the Europa League, you know. And, yeah. and we can have an argument about whether his performances have justified that belief, but that's what he believes, right? And that's why he's frustrated. Yeah, and, you know, when he's when he's playing well, the, the, anyone that's arguing the other side of that is out of their tree because it's like, you know, when he's playing well, he's United's best player by a mile, definitely including Bruno Fernandes, definitely, you know. I mean, he was absolute peak Pogba today. He's fantastic yeah. in that midfield and, and a very big reason United were, were so dominant. So. Yeah. But yeah, he will, he will shape the narrative for this summer, for sure. Well, one thing that we can be absolutely delighted about is that the narrative has been del- really, really nicely shaped based on the Mourinho versus Jose, because, I mean, the Ole versus Jose stuff, because that could have gone real wrong, real fast for some of us, <laughs> but it didn't. So thank you to the good people of Manchester United Football Club for their fine work today. It's much appreciated. We We see you. We love you. Thank you. Um, you're great people. We see you. We love you. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, we'll take a quick break and then talk about some Europa League stuff, shall we? All right, let's do it. Quick, quick, quick mid pod break at 58 minutes in. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Um, I mean, it had to be a long show today, right? It just had to be, although that's that's assuming uh, that we have anything meaningful to say about the Europa League. I thought we could talk a little bit about that game against Granada and um, sure. and a bit of preview stuff about that and then Burnley at home next weekend uh, that I totally looked up halfway through this game to see what that game was. Um, so the Granada game uh, was a frustrating affair. Um, you know, could definitely have gone differently result-wise than it did. Uh, Granada perhaps feel a little un- unlucky in terms of their performance with the ball. But I think yep. poetic and moral justice was served because that was a tough watch. They made it a tough watch. Lots and lots of fouls from them and loads of yellow cards earned by big dives and screams and all that oh, sort of God. stuff. It was really frustrating and it, it's, uh, it kind of harks back to, you know, some of those uh, early 90s European games when United were having trouble in, in Europe um with teams doing that to them. But, I mean, you know, they, they, Granada did what they had to do for a club with limited resources and some decent players, but but not elite players, um, is they, you know, they put 11 ratters out there and they tried to bother United with a lot of tackles, a lot of cynical fouls, giving United no time on the ball, um, and a lot of diving, rolling around, you know, and holding faces, uh, which, which we, of course, saw today. Not forgetting you, Huming Song. Huh? Um, but, um, you yeah, know, that, that's what they had to do. United nearly, you know, could have caved into that pressure, but but enough quality in the end to to come out 2-0. And, and that, you know, that final goal, the second goal, makes a big difference to what the, the tie looks like now because you can't see that Granada side opening up United three times at Old Trafford, even though there are a lot of, you know, Victor Lindelof suspended, Luke Shaw suspended, so Tellez will come in. If by is by fit, if by is fit, he plays. If not, is Axel Tuanzebi fit? I think if he not, is. the Manu think... Matis plays in the back four. You know, it's it's. Uh, yeah. I think Pogba's suspended too, um, and because I, I just remember thinking that is a lot of our best players suspended for this game in a way that's slightly worrying. Just I was just got the who, who scored page up for that game. And uh, just a first comment on who scored. Does anyone know where I can buy a hitman? This ref needs to get cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Yeah, no, no, that's a joke, by the way. We're laughing at that as a joke. Don't actually kill the referee. No, it was really frustrating, the referee, because he was so card-happy for United players. (laughs) And uh, I think it was something like, at one stage, United had committed four fouls with three yellow cards. Um, And... Uh, and Granada were, you know, getting in there and putting the reducers in quite frequently with with seemingly little punishment. But, uh, you know, in the end, justice was done. Uh, the, and uh, we almost didn't get to see the justice being done because we had a classic uh, of the counter-attacking goal being scored while replays were happening. Uh, the panicked cut from the director and the the uh, the 
the football cliches level line of apologising and uh, it's it's a local Spanish director who's responsible for the pictures. Always mention the nationality of the local director, the, the commentators Yeah, but do. the thing is, you know, so um, as friends of the pod will know, I, I relocated. Um, it didn't have, I was listening to people on Twitter going, oh, we, you know, missed the goal. It, that, I didn't get that cut. I didn't miss the goal. Oh, really? So it, yeah. you saw the whole build up, the pass from Lindelof and everything? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you got the the international feed clearly. Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like I don't think that was a local director. <laughs> I I think that that's on you. Who was it on BT Sport? Oh no, no. I, I well, unless they're straight up lying, they said they don't have control of the pictures and they were commentating on it from the studio back home. So I'm sure they yeah. don't have a director mixing uh, mixing the pictures on the fly from London. That would be insane. Um, the uh, the the pass from Lindelof is absolutely fantastic, and the take and finish from Rashford were kind of worldy. Uh, what what did you think of the penalty where he kind of just nudged? But I mean, Ole, this is this is where I do like Ole. It doesn't happen that often that I really enjoy an Ole post match interview, but uh, I kind of like him saying, "Oh, he did really well to score that penalty where he could only see out of one eye." <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind yeah, of clipped no, him, didn't he? It, it's a foul and a penalty. Uh, you know, if one of those ones that you feel frustrated about on the other end of it, because it's, you know, on the soft side. Uh, but Bruno scored it. Uh, changed Completely changed the second tie, you know, with that 90th minute goal completely. Um, and I think it allows us to get away with some of these suspensions. So I think it's it's uh, Lindelof and Shaw. You said Pogba as well. I think out. so. I don't know, though. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah, he did get booked really early in that game. So, I mean, Van der Beek, I assume, will play. I mean, Bruno really needs the rest. So, I mean, it, w- it would be nice. And I don't think it's too risky. You know, if Wan Bissaka is fit, so it's De Gea and goal, Wan Bissaka, Maguire will play because he plays every minute. Um, and if Bailly's fit, Bailly plays alongside Tellez, McFred, I guess, in midfield. Does Matic come in? Maybe. And then Van der Beek's got to play. Greenwood... Who else is about? Would Diallo? Would he? Would he? He's would he, not, would he start, he's not starting not, he's, Diallo. He's not going to start. It's not. He's going to start Ahmed. Um, but but that d- does mean that it's you know we're stretching the the squad and and we're going to play a lot of players who could do with the rest. Probably mm. you're probably right actually. At Bruno and Rashford start just because there's there's not enough players, but they could really do with the rest. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned Van der Beek, and I just keep forgetting he exists. We've really reached that stage with him that, you know, he, he um, what was the game where he came on late and did a lot of good work to to help United get a goal? Uh, he did some good, was that last week? He did some good movement in the box um, for that last minute, uh, that last minute goal. Um, I can't even remember what game that was in. They all mer- merged into one, but it wasn't the Granada one. So it must have been the one before that. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, so that's that game. We've got to be reasonably confident. I, I would, I'm going to go for a one nil Man United win in that one. Sure, why not? Yeah, um, or maybe it'll just be really flat, and United will play out a nil nil. So it, it doesn't really matter as long as there's not a major disaster. Um, one prediction: I think we might have three goalkeepers on the bench because uh, the, yeah, with the suspensions and the the COVID bubbles, there's not a lot. I mean, Anthony Alanga was on the bench for the last game. I we may well see him. Maybe Shola Shotire if he's fit. Um, he's had a few injury. He's not had an awesome season really in the under twenty threes. But um, you know, we've seen a bit of him. Uh, uh, Ahmed, I'm sure, will be on the bench, and then we're probably going to get Henderson, Grant, and and another keeper on the um, on the bench because <laughs> there's just no one available. <laughs> it's um, it's funny because we didn't talk about that when we were talking about sort of future and stuff, but there. There are. Hey, guess what? There's a crop of really technically adroit forwards um, being brought through the academy who will probably, at least one of them will end up pushing for a first team spot. I don't know. Yeah, and who, and who knows? But yes, you know, there, there there's plenty of talent in um, in that under twenty three pool um, b- because of the way the bubbles worked and because the under eighteens are, are really young at the moment as a as a pool. Um, it's uh, we haven't seen as many um, making the the first team this year. And, you know, a couple of couple of sightings of Shatire. Um, you know, Diallo obviously came in for a lot of money. We expect big things of him next season after this bedding in period, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's talent there. 
And none of them are going to play against Burnley next weekend. Um, I guess a meaningful preview of this game is is uh, irrelevant until we see what happens in the Europa League in, in terms of selection. And, you know, if Bruno and Rashford have to play 60 minutes of that Granada game, they are going to be so... I mean, they're dead on their feet already. Um, Burnley at home, which is not where you want to play them because tough Turf Moor, not a tough place to go. Having Burnley at Old Trafford, bad, bad. They keep doing bad things to us there. And you know what the pattern of the game will be. United will have 60% possession in this game, probably 20-odd shots. And it's, you know, the the big thing will be whether those 20-odd shots are pot shots from outside because we're completely frustrated with Burnley's organisation at the back and attempt to break, you know, and, and that's, that's how it's going to go. And it's uh, in previous seasons, you might have worried that this is, you know, looking like a Burnley... 1-0 victory isn't it um coming up but i i don't know i mean they they you know they they've got enough points that they're probably safe burnley there's there there's a, there's a soft there's a softness to them as well um they have conceded quite a few goals this season uh burnley you know d- deep into the negative um on the goal difference uh, so you know and and united have got to push forward i mean champions league is almost certainly almost certainly confirmed Almost, but not completely. Well, and, and push as far as I mean, yeah. Solskjaer, he gives mixed messages all the time about is it important to win cups or is it not important to win cups? You know, it depends on uh, where he is in his stage of um, development. Um, but he he was delighted with third last season. United really should push to be the best of the rest. Yeah, or maybe maybe there's going to be a blow up at City. And they're going to lose another three games and we're going to be title winners. It could happen, lads. The, the run that we're on since that City game, just in the Premier League, goes, well, we beat City, then we beat West Ham, then we beat Brighton, then we beat Spurs. Like we And um, we lost that FA Cup game, uh, but we also progressed through a round of the Europa League and are 2-0 up in the next round of the Europa League as well. We're on, after a really horrible, bumpy bit, we're on a hell of a good run of results. Um, last week, that Brighton game, which was the one where um, Van der Beek made a difference for the winner, felt really, really, really flat. It was hard. It was it was a struggle to watch. So it's really nice to have a, a fantastic performance. And, um, and you know, they, they lived up to, the, you know, it's the best we've seen them play since that City game, isn't it? Um, yeah. and, and I think we mentioned on the show last week, it was definitely possible that they would turn that on at some point. And what a fantastic, uh, 45 minutes of football, just so much fun. Um, so enjoyable and, and yeah, awesome. So well done, Man United. And I'm going to predict that they beat Burnley 2-1 and that one's a little bit tougher to watch. I think it's going to be an unpleasant game, but I'm going to go for a 1-0 victory for United. What's your prediction on, of the Granada game? 0-0. Nil, nil. Okay, great. Dead. Dead rubber. No one cares. Yeah, lovely. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Patreon backers, we are still doing, even though this was basically a Patreon episode, um, we are going to still uh, talk about, now mostly just Jesse Lingard for the next half an hour. Um, what a... But, oh, by the way, transfer talk, I mean, he's going to factor into United summer because they're going to try and get as much money as possible. I mean, he's only got one year left on his contract Yeah. after this. Uh, they, that, that, and that is the one-way extension that uh, everyone moaned about, including me, when it was done <laughs> earlier in the season. Uh, but now it looks like Edward was getting value out of his asset. Um, but he will factor how much money can United get for Lingard because, uh, you know, I think that's a relationship that needs to end. He's flourished elsewhere and that's good for him. Great for him. Jesse, anyway. Jesse uh, we'll give them Jesse for Rice plus 25 million. Um, all right. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute for Patreon backers and everyone else will be back next weekend or next Monday, I guess, uh, to wrap <laughs> up Granada one, and Burnley. Take care till then. Awesome. Bye now. <laughs> 